I'm thankful for you guys. I don't know that I say that enough, but I'm just really thankful. It's my favorite place to preach. You know, and I get out a bit and go lots of places and have for a long time. This is my, my favorite place to preach. You guys are a blessing to me, just personally. The way that you interact and, and love and you're patient and you're gracious, you know. Uh, you let me be risky uh, with my heart up here and uh, and you protect it. It's not that it never gets hurt, you know, or hit, and I know that's not true for you either. And uh, But but you, you, you're just a gracious bunch of people. I'm thankful for the staff team we have. I love the guys I get to work with. They're uh, just amazing. I think we're ridiculously blessed in kids' ministry and youth. Um, we're just crazy blessed with worship. I'm so thankful for these guys who serve up here. Hey, I mean, good gracious, yeah. I mean, amen. They put in a lot of time. There's a lot of effort involved in that. And um, I know this morning was probably particularly hectic because we are usually about half a step off uh, on a Sunday following a week like this where there wouldn't have been a worship practice. And, and it seems like when you guys are trying to practice on a Sunday morning, everybody else is running late. And you guys just step in there, and these guys never have to know whether it was hard or easy. And uh, just much appreciated and amazing. And, you know, we're really blessed by the guys that serve. And so in, in media and sound, too. And, yes, I'm going around here a little bit. Uh, but that's, I mean, again, these guys don't have to do that. They're not getting paid. And um, we chatted out last week at our Joel meeting on Sunday night that we're, we're now looking for more people to sow and serve. We need volunteers in a lot of places. And we're trying to make some moves in some different areas of ministry with connections with people who would meet and greet from the parking lot all the way to follow up the next week. And, and we have amazing life groups and life group leaders that we're just really, really blessed with. And even during the week with Tree of Life Daycare and the people who work and love kids there. It's just, uh, it's just a great, great crew. I'm thankful. And the Word of God says that that's who we're meant to be. I'm actually preaching. You just didn't know it. Ha! That was my introduction. How about that, though? Um, I'm thankful, too, for the students. You know, I mean, today I would want to ask you to be praying for the kids. I asked you last Sunday to pray as they were going out of town and were at home with parents and stuff through the holiday. They're driving back today. Uh, you know, there's... There's tons, there's literally tens of thousands of kids that will be traveling back to our area for Radford and New River and VCOM. They'll be coming back, but even all across certainly the United States, a lot of traveling today. Let's pray protection uh, for them as they come back. Seriously, I mean, they're ours here, and so let's pray for them. You'll see them next Sunday, but let's just be lifting them up as they're on their way back. And But I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful to be in a church that has such an incredible young adult demographic, and I'm thankful for... Uh, those of us that aren't so young, that are here and, and are able to, to care about them and, and about each other. And the Word of God says in Psalm chapter 7, verse 17, I will, go, I will give to the Lord the thanks due. I like that phraseology. I will give thanks to the, to the Lord. Let me try to do that actually correctly. I will give to the Lord the thanks due. There we go. His righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. I just said in the first service, I think I prophesied over myself, but I said I love to sing. I love to sing to the Lord. I do. And I will even admit that sometimes on Sunday mornings I, I, sing, I, I sing too loudly. Occasionally, occasionally Haley will let me know when we get to our house. And she's gracious like that. Uh, you were really loud. I thought you were in my monitor. Uh-huh. But And then in the second service, I think I sang louder than the first. I almost made myself hoarse. I love to sing to Him. The psalmist also wrote in Psalm 118, 28, You are my God, and I will give you thanks. I like that. It's a declaration. You know, because, okay, the other stuff will get right here. You know, the challenges, the problems. There were a couple of nights this week when I found myself waking up at 4 a.m. thinking about the things I needed to do or didn't get done or, or wishing that I could... Maybe be there for someone or some situation. And, and it was right there. You know, causing this heaviness and there's a struggle. There I go. I'm being honest and I'm being vulnerable. Which isn't my favorite, believe it or not. But to be able to make a declaration like this in the face of that. 
to say, you are my God. And I will give you thanks. To know that we can do that and that we're meant to do that. Cicero said, a thankful heart is not only the greatest virtue, but it's the parent of all virtues. It was Melody Beattie that said, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home. Gratefulness, gratitude can turn a stranger into a friend. It can make sense of the past and bring peace for today and create a vision for tomorrow. Now, I believe that that's true when that gratitude and gratefulness is actually given to God. Otherwise, I think that that quote is probably, it's a little optimistic. But when the one to whom we are grateful or to whom we are thankful is the creator of everything, I don't think that that's an optimistic proclamation. I think that gratitude creates in us a connection with the heart of the Father through faith. And that actually a lack of gratitude or faithfulness disconnects us from it. It is that disconnect that creates cynicism and skepticism and robs us of the grace for faith. Last week I talked about the top ten most common joy thieves and one of them is complaining. But it's when we're grateful. The Bible has something to say about ungratefulness as well. Romans one twenty one. Paul said, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. It's an interesting passage of Scripture, John L., because it doesn't say they didn't know God, so they didn't give Him thanks or gratitude. Rather, it says, Though they knew God, they knew Him, and they didn't honor Him or give Him thanks, but they became futile, well, that's an important word too, in their thinking. Somebody called that stinking thinking, I think. That might have been Rick. That sounds like something Rick was there. And their foolish hearts were darkened. The fact of the matter is people, people, maybe I should say we, because I'm people too, we don't, we don't tend to acknowledge God. We don't. That's not our tendency. It doesn't mean we can't do that. It doesn't mean we don't do that. But it is not our natural, hear what I'm saying, natural, In the flesh, it's not our natural tendency. In fact, some scientists, not all scientists, would rather believe that we evolved from a primordial pool. Don't pick on me, I was a biology major. Than to give God the thanks that He deserves for dreaming us and creating us. There are those of us who at times would rather take credit for our own accomplishments in school or business to say, yeah, you know, I I worked hard and I developed my gifts than to give God the glory and credit for the diligence and the dedication and the gift. I'm telling the truth right now, though. Rather than be thankful for forgiveness, for Jesus dying on the cross, sometimes we'd rather make claims about being good enough And in fact, in our society, and not just the lost society, but sometimes in the church too, we've redefined what it means to be saved, right? To be redeemed. So that really it's not so much on God at all. Why does He deserve any of the credit when we did all the work? Now I know that this is a grace church, okay? I get that, and and I know that that's not what we believe. We believe what the Word says is so, that it is by grace you have been saved, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Lest any man should boast. But sometimes the way we live, the way we walk, isn't the same as the way we talk. I'm just saying. Because that would in us engender, I think, a a thankfulness. In fact, the the reality is we tend to migrate toward a bit of a a self-awareness and a sense of self-accomplishment. Instead of an eternal gratefulness. Again, that's our tendency. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? When um, Isaac was in the fourth grade, uh, he had a teacher that was relatively young. That has nothing to do with this story. It's just a statement of fact. And she was a really neat young lady, a very gifted and good teacher. Uh, We had our first parent-teacher conference with her, though. And we had a shocking um, assessment. That's a good way to say that. 
because she said, Isaac's doing really good. He's a great kid, blah, blah, blah. But I have this one concern. I'm, I'm just really concerned about this one attitude that he has. And we're kind of like, whoa. You know, because Isaac usually was, was pretty pretty good, pretty pretty easy to work with at that stage. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and no, and she said, you know, but he always says yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And please and thank you. And I keep telling him he doesn't have to do that. The, the fact of the matter is, in our culture, we're not too big on common courtesy anymore. We said, actually, we would rather you not correct him for that. We're working pretty hard to teach him to honor and respect and to be grateful for people who work with and so into. The fact of the matter is, we often treat God as though He owes us something too. We're like, you know, God just blessed us and worked with us and, and has, has been good and God to us, and yet sometimes our attitude, I mean, He just did these things for us and in us and through us, and then the next thing is, hey, you, you owe me. When we come into a circumstance or a situation, our attitude is not, as we say, pardon the cliche, an attitude of gratitude, but it is actually rather an attitude of entitlement. You owe me. You're God. Fix this. Do this. I like the attitude of the three Hebrew children, the young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, whether our God deliver us or not, He's still God. And we're going to praise Him. I read a story about a little girl. She was traveling to the market with her mom. They were It was an outdoor, um, how do you say, a farmer's market. So there was lots of fruits and veggies and that kind of thing. And, and the little girl was really hungry. And, and they found themselves in front of a fruit stand. And she was fixated on a display of beautiful oranges. And the vendor noticed her obsession and her big blue eyes. And so he asked the mom, hey, can I give her an orange? And the mom said, sure, go ahead. And so he, he gave her a beautiful orange and the little girl took it. And the mom said, so now what do you say? And the little girl stood there for a moment with a contemplative look on her face as she tried to decide what it was that she should say. And then she, she took the orange and she shoved it back in the man's face and she said, peel it. And I'm afraid sometimes that's exactly how we treat God. Fix it! Do it! As opposed to your God. And I need you. I need your help. And we serve a Father we don't need or have to beg. He knows and wants to give. And to hold and help. It's not like we need to beg Him into that. But we need an attitude of gratefulness. And a heart of thankfulness. Or we disconnect ourselves from the faith to follow. And, and it is true that being rude all right, to each other is bad enough. But to be ungrateful to God borders on the realm of disobedience and rebellion. Paul wrote it this way to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.2. He said, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. That's stout. And he gave a different word to the Colossians and to us in Colossians 3 verse 15 through 17 when he said this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, woo, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, now here's the part that I want us to see. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's in word and deed. It's, it is, again, not just... It's, it's not only that we talk it. I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. We, we don't just say it, 
right? We don't just talk it, but we walk it. What I'm trying to get to today is this, and this is our premise, that truly thankful people, that is to say people who are grateful for what they've been given and for how they've been treated by God, will not only talk thankfulness, but will respond literally with word and deed. Or in other words, thankful people live a life of gratitude. I believe that that's true. That thankful people, that that changes how we live and interact in our world and with our God and with the plan that He has for His world and for His children. We're grateful. We're thankful. It changes how we act and interact because there's a huge difference between being glad and being grateful. Sometimes I think we're really glad. We're glad for all God has done. We're glad for His grace and His mercy. We're glad He don't throw a bolt of fire down every time we foul up. We're very glad for that. I'm glad... We say thankful, but what we mean is we're glad. Uh, I didn't plan on this being hard. You know, we're glad We're glad that He came and stepped into our life, into our circumstance and our situation and redeemed it. We're glad. We're, we're very happy about that. God, I want you to know I'm very happy that you did that. That was good. And you, I hope you do it again next time. And it's good to be glad. It's better to be grateful. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, Colossians 2, 6 and 7, so walk in Him, rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it, it being the faith, with thanksgiving. We are called to live a life of gratitude in His kingdom, in His body, in His church. I preached a word way long, like a year ago, March or something, called the family resemblance. And it occurs to me today that something also that should mark us in the family of faith is thankfulness. People should be able to say, Christians are very grateful. They're very thankful people. They're not cynical like the rest of society. They don't have this, you know those Christians, they don't have a sense of entitlement. They're thankful for what they have and how they're blessed. They're not hoarders or holders, they're givers. Happy Thanksgiving. Luke seventeen eleven through nineteen illustrates for us the difference between glad and grateful. I think very well. On the way to Jerusalem, he Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. That's an important part of the story. He was on the south end of Samaria and on the north end of Galilee, cutting through to Jerusalem. A very interesting place in that time and season. Still is actually a very interesting political, uh, social situation in that area. And he entered a village. And as he entered a village, he met ten lepers who stood at a distance, which wouldn't have been uncommon. Certainly lepers who had been quarantined or at least set apart, couldn't be close or connected to the rest of the community. They wouldn't have been in the village, but on the outskirts of the village. And apparently they had heard about him because as he approached, the Scripture says they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Which really was, they didn't necessarily ask for healing, though that might have been what they had wanted or expected or requested. Maybe they heard that he did lunch for a few thousand folks a couple of occasions. Uh, but whatever the case, they knew that there was the possibility of compassion, and so they asked for that. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. That must have been a shocking answer. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Go show yourselves to the priests. Apparently, though, there was some authority in his voice. I don't know if you've noticed that when he's spoken to you, but somehow, no matter what he says, when you know it's he that said it, you're like, okay, wait. I mean, if we're honest, but we usually at first are like, really? Okay. Or or not. Hopefully okay. But in their case, I think they he said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And they took off toward the... Go, and he said, go to the priest and show yourselves to the priest. And they took off in that direction. And the Scripture says that as they went, they were... 
cleansed, healed. They were cleansed, the Scripture says. Apparently, most of them kept going. You know, they, he said, go show yourselves to the priests, and they took off. So the priest, hey, woohoo! <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm not going to say that that wouldn't have been my response. Yeah! It was only the priest that could declare that you were clean and write off, if you will, sign off on your being able to be back a part of your family and your society. I'm sure that that was a high priority for them. They were very glad, reasonably so. But the Scripture tells us then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. This dude was loud. He sang loudly too. And he fell at on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. It's an important delineation and not surprising because of where they were. That group of lepers, that ten lepers was probably an abnormally diverse, uh, racially diverse um, group, ethnically diverse group of people. And Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, when he called him a foreigner, he wasn't dissing on him. He was just pointing out, here is a guy who would, in the Jewish circle, and he's speaking to who he probably perceived to be a rabbi, would have considered himself disconnected, an outsider, if you will, would have been biased against, but he himself came back. He said, is it just this one guy who, in fact, would have considered himself an outcast who came back, who was grateful, and he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. So what does a grateful life look like? It engenders a response. You you will be glad. You should be glad. But you won't just be glad. Because if you're just glad in a minute, you'll just be mad. But if you're grateful, you won't take things for granted. Hmm. You'll appreciate what God has done and who God is. What does a grateful life look like? Number one, and I'm going to just share a couple of thoughts here. A grateful life is a life of surrender. Number one, it's a life of surrender. Now, if you were going to do a caricature of me and how I interact on Sunday morning, I don't think it would be very hard. You could reenact who I am pretty easily because, A, I'm animated, so it's easy to do animated people. So if we ever do some sort of a comedy show, I, I expect that it would be easy to do me. The second thing is that you always know what I'm about to say because I'm about to say right here that this is not an all-inclusive list. So you could just throw that phrase and it would seem like me. But I will say this this morning that these are very important points if you're going to make a list. Because number one, a grateful life is a surrendered life. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? within you, whom you have from God. You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. You're not your own. You were bought, and it wasn't cheap. The price He paid to redeem us back was not cheap. We should be grateful. Just saying. So he said, glorify God in your body, in the way you live, with who you are. Glorify God with that. Because you were bought, you're not, do you not know? You're not your own. A grateful life is a surrendered life. It's to say, God, thank you for giving me my life back. I stunk this up. I was destined for this. I was disaster. And you redeemed it. And you've kept it. And so, I give what is yours back to you. A grateful life. If you're really grateful, if you can say and mean it when you say it, that I am really thankful, that will create in us a heart to give to God that which is always and already His. It is to say, you decide, Papa, I'm so thankful for you. Would you decide for me? It's like the lady who had a couple of big possibilities in a decision to make. And someone asked her, they said, if it were up to you, which would you choose? And she said, oh, I would leave that decision to God. They said, yeah, but, but if God said for you to decide between the two, which would you choose? She said, I would leave that decision to God. They said, but, in frustration, if He said 
you could choose. What would you say? And she said, I would, I would have to turn that back to God again. Hey, Papa, because of grateful life, hey, God, you decide. And, and, and we live thankful for the lives we have and we honor Him with the lives He's given us by giving our lives and living our lives back to Him. That is to be thankful. And when we do that, that's not just saying, hey, God, you decide about, you decide, hey, God, you decide who I'll marry and you decide that's a good thing to give to God, FYI. But it's not just saying, God, you decide where I'll live or the job I'll have. But it is rather surrendering the moments that make our days, that make our lives. That really is what that is. And it is when we do that, then that we give our lives to God. It's... Uh Uh-oh, this would be another easy place to caricature me, but it would be to walk out the door. It's what we do here, but it is more what we do there. It's how we look and live, more live than look, where we live and interact. How are we going to engage in the moments that make up our lives. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 10.23, I know, Lord, that the way of a man is not in himself. To which I would add in parenthesis, so why look there? I genuinely feel sorry for people who say they're trying to find themselves. Rather that we would find God and in finding Him, we would find ourselves. Jeremiah said, the way of a man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. But rather it is in God. And I know, listen, trust me, I know. Again, I said I'm blessed. Katie Joe, this is an incredible place to be. And, and I love it. And I think that this is, a, a, as has been said, a giving and thankful group of people. However, and I would ask that you account me to the same standard here, but if we were to say, I'm thankful, I just want us to know what that means, okay? This is not law, this is grace. And if, if we say that we are thankful, then the only, the only question I would ask is then what are we doing with our lives? How then do we live? Now be careful how you apply that, okay? Because external measures won't work here. Because as we said earlier, it isn't actually about the geography of anything other than your heart. Because FYI, Jesus is not looking, just in case you would try to measure up, to a religious reverence. He's not looking for that. That's not what He's looking for. He's not looking for you to be able to say, Hey, yeah, well, I'm at church every... And I serve and so in all these places. And I read my Bible. And I pray. And I do all this stuff. I do good. He's not looking for religious reference. Matthew 15, 1-9 says this, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Which I would say that I think that they should wash their hands before they eat. But for a completely less religious reason. I just think the disciples were probably kind of grubby and they should wash their hands. But these guys were all into law. And so Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, in other words, they were saying to the people, Listen, you don't have just take that that you were going to, and say you used it for God, and you don't have to help your mom or dad or whatever. Don't worry about that. That part of the law. He says they are to honor their father and mother. You say then that they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So I am not saying that when we say that we are thankful, then that we have to somehow, we better have a checklist. I did this and this and this to prove that I was thankful. But what I am saying is that when we live a life of gratitude, that that expresses itself in us in a life of surrender. Because again, He is not looking for religious reverence, but He is 
rather wanting that your heart would be His. There you go, Papa. Here's my heart, you have it. After all, it's only safe with you anyway. And then the life of gratitude is a life of love. Psalm 118, 1 through 18. I'm just going to give you a bit of this passage of Scripture. I won't read all 18 verses, but the psalmist said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Forever is a long time, church. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Then look what He said. Let Israel say His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say that His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say... That was just a summation. In other words, let everybody say. His steadfast love endures forever. Let our lives say. The grateful life is a life of love. It is first learning to receive love. To let God love us. As Angie said earlier, we struggle with that. If there's a disconnect in the way that we receive love, there will certainly be a disconnect in the way that we show love. But, but when we let God love us, And I'm sure there's a bit to do there. But when we let God love us. You know, sometimes people say about people who love people, how can they do that? I mean, I, I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they just get in the middle of that mess and they, they love people and they give of themselves in that way. How do they do that? I'm telling you, when we just took Rose Kugel to Zambia three weeks ago and her first day, she was excited She's going for a year. We're riding the bus and you can see it in her face. It's supposed to be overwhelming and intimidating. And I'm sure on some level it was, but you couldn't see it on her. She had grace for it. That's first. But secondly, they said when we got there, they said, you know, Rose, you can take a couple of three days if you want, get your feet on the ground, kind of figure out where you are. The next day we were up at the school taking a bit of a tour and Rose was right in the classroom where she was already working. She was sewing and she was serving. And it would be easy to say. And she's got a year in front of her to be there. No Walmart. No quick trip to Sheets. No sleeping in a comfy bed with aircon. She's not going to a movie. She's sequestered in western Zambia, loving in one of the hardest places to love. And we would ask the question, how do you do that? Rather, though, the question should be for those of us who have experienced the greatness of God's love, how can you not do that? Whatever that is for you, you don't have to go to Western Zambia to love people. There's plenty to do in the way of love. How can we not? There's a story of Mother Teresa. I don't try to mess with her theology, but I love at least the stories that are told of her heart and interaction. And one of those is this, that she, there was a couple of young reporters, a couple of young ladies that were following her and working with the Sisters of Mercy in Calcutta. And they had wrote, ridden on a train and they had gotten off at a depot. And, there were, and two or three of the sisters, including Mother Teresa, had stepped off at the loading dock. And there was a, a really a bad situation with a homeless person there. And they were just really ill and in a very uh, bad um, way, I guess I'm trying to communicate that it wouldn't have been something that would have been very attractive to touch or to be a part of. And so, but they as immediately went to her aid. She called out to them and they went to her aid and they were trying to help her and, and trying to minister to her and give her a drink of water. And that's uh, the way that the story goes. And one of the young ladies, though, as they were ministering to her that was standing back, that was watching, said, How can she do that? I mean, how can they do that? And the one said to the other, Yeah, I know, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And apparently the old lady had good ears. She looked back over her shoulder and she said, neither would I. When they say that we march to the beat of a different drum, this is that drum. And our God showed such great love for us in that while we were still sinners, He seriously... How can you know how much God loves us and not be moved and motivated? I don't, I don't do what I do when I do what I do and I don't do it as often as I should. But when I do, I don't do it because I should. I do it because I can. 
Because I want to. Because when you find a heart of gratefulness, you're moved and motivated because of the opportunity to experience the love of God by giving the love of God. And yeah, you're thankful. But it's not so you can say you are. It is because you are. Grateful life is a life of forgiveness. Automatic and instantaneous. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18, 23 through 35, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's a chunk of dough. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Sound familiar? Verse 28, Matthew 18. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. They both asked, for more time, just give us more time. More time won't help us, FYI. Give us more time to work off our sin debt. Won't do us any good. But in this case, the retort was, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into debtor's prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then frankly, I'd prefer not to read the next verse. But inasmuch as it would be irresponsible for me not to, I will. This is how my Heavenly Father, verse 35, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The grateful life is a life of forgiveness. If you're sitting in the sanctuary of the Lord today and somehow you think you have the right to hold on to unforgiveness, you are wrong. And you are robbed. No time to preach at that point. Let it go. And then lastly, the life of gratefulness is a life of faithfulness. Illustration, I'm very thankful for Karen. I told her yesterday how many months we'd been married because it was our anniversary, sort of. It was We were married on March the 26th, 1988. It's been so good, I thought it was longer than it was. And... So yesterday was November the 26th, and I was just telling her. And I'm just, I don't remember the number now. It was a big number. But I'm so thankful, honestly, very thankful for her. She's been very patient with me, very persistent with me. And that thankfulness creates in me a heart of faithfulness to her. It concerns me when I interact with people who are married and they're not thankful for one another. Because when you stop being thankful, you're in jeopardy of stopping to be faithful because there is something about thank God, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for who you are. And and I want to be faithful to you. And in fact, faithful even in trouble or tragedy, which is trying. We keep coming across that here because we've experienced it here. First Thessalonians five, sixteen and seventeen says one of the most outrageous things. It says this rejoice always. Rejoice always. And verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. And verse 18 says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will, is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Always the critical qualifier, in Christ Jesus. Abjectly impossible unless we are in Christ Jesus. Not going to re-preach that. In Christ, abiding in Christ. Now this works without Him. But He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Even thankful in the face of trouble or tragedy. Why? Because God has overcome trouble and tragedy. Not thankful for the trouble. Not thankful for the tragedy. Not thankful for the way circumstance always works out. We say this consistently here. Things do not always go the way that we wish that they would. But here is what we can always be thankful. 
I want to be that one who stands at the point of crossover segue into eternity who can say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, the God who has been faithful to me in all things. And when life goes hard, I want to be able to say, God, I know you went to the cross for me. You endured a death, a heinous death that was not necessary except for me, for us. And I want that gratitude, that thankfulness to move me and the grace of God to cover me and to mobilize me. grateful life is a faithful life. And when we fall, He'll still be faithful. Check that out. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm about ready for you to play me some music back there, Ted. 51 through 58 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. So this corruptible, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades or hell, where is your victory? The death of sting is sin. Hey? And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. Somebody say, thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. This is what we've just spoken about today. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want uh, Ted to play us a song, and I will, I'll have you on your way just shortly. But I pray today that we can sing with this song. I think you'll see BJ and the crew doing this soon. He almost hasn't learned just now. I didn't want to burden him with it over Thanksgiving. But this song just talks about how there are 10,000 reasons.
Can I get an amen this morning? Well, I'm going to let you be on your way in just a moment. Let me ask you this this question. Could you bow your heads with me just for a moment? First, let me ask you this. It's been a couple of weeks since I've taken the opportunity to just ask. If you're in the house of the Lord today, you're not walking in a right relationship with Jesus, maybe today, maybe it was that surrender point. The Lord just really spoke to you. Maybe there's a revelation today that God gave life to me for me to give my life, His life in me, back to Him. Maybe you've been doing your own thing with your life. Maybe you haven't been walking in redemption. And today is a day for you to give your heart to Jesus. You know you're not saved and you want to be. If that's you this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus. I'll advocate for that and gladly. If that's you, would you slip up your hand across this house and I can pray with you? Is there one today? Is there one today that just needs to give their life to Christ? Don't want to miss you this morning. And then let me ask you this. If today, rather, your situation is just this, maybe it was a part of what I said, but maybe it's that you have kind of been, you know, doing your own thing. Um, you know you're headed to heaven. You have a relationship with Jesus, but... That surrender part maybe is a bit of a yeah, a bit of a challenge. And you would just say this morning, I want I want to toss myself into the willing pool where God can do whatever God wants to do in me, where God can do whatever God wants to do with me. This morning count me and I God, I want to give my life back to you. And I'm not asking you I mean you can do that again if you've done it before, but but I'm more specifically saying if you know in your heart that that's not where you are in this moment, that Somehow you've kind of gotten to doing your own thing and you'd like to sort of set that straight in the grace that's here this morning. Would you slip up your hand and I can just pray with you before we head out of here. just want to pray with you. I see those hands. I appreciate that. Anyone else want to jump in on that really quickly? I just want to jump in on that. Is there another one? And then just this last one, I promise. But if you're here this morning and you would say, I struggle sometimes to be thankful. Frankly, I really struggled this Thanksgiving holiday. It was hard for me. There's a lot of hectic things happening in my life, and I just didn't feel very grateful. I understand that on one level. I do. In fact, I struggled with it a bit myself, to be honest. But we do have much to be thankful for. And if you could say this morning, hey, just pray with me, because I want to be grateful. And I don't only want to be grateful, but I want to live a grateful life. If that's you this morning... Right where you are, will you slip up your hand and we're just going to pray together as family in just a moment? Yes, I see those hands, lots of hands. Again, anyone else that just wants to jump in on that right quick? I struggled this holiday season to feel thankful and I want to live a grateful life. Anyone else, real quick? I appreciate that. Lots of you. Now, would you stand with me? Now, I'll say before I let you go that if you have another need of any kind, situational a uh, spiritual kind of thing that you would want someone to partner with you in prayer about. I'm going to stay up here on the laminate for a few moments. There will be others that can and will pray with you. So know that it doesn't have to be those things that I just mentioned. But if you need prayer for anything, there's space and time for that. So don't hesitate to come. But right now, let's just join together in these things. Let's hold hands. We'll do that about once every five weeks maybe. It's just nice. Hold it. I'm getting in the middle of that. So God, right now, Lord, we just come together with our faith and we ask you, Father, to give us a heart of gratefulness and rather even, God, to grace us to live grateful lives, Lord Jesus. Uh, God, because we declare today, would you declare this with me? We declare today, God, that you are good and that you are for us and we are yours, Lord. And even as we sang earlier, Lord, our lives belong to you. And so, God, when the enemy comes and tries to, to rob us, uh, Lord, of a heart of gratitude. Lord, when the enemy comes and tries to make us believe, Lord, that you have failed us or abandoned us, God, I just pray that, Lord, we would choose the grace that's there to reject that lie. Lord, and we repent of any accusation we might have made. And today we declare rather, God, that you are faithful and that you are worthy. And we say, God, that we are blessed. We are, church. We are blessed. And Lord, by your grace, we'll live that way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.